This is Dad's Decades, Episode 6. I'm Brad Irwin. This podcast is for people seeking faith and a way to put that faith into practice. It is a podcast for leaders in the Christian church, from teenagers learning to lead in their own youth groups, to elders, ministry leaders, and pastors doing the heavy lifting it takes to carry a congregation. Each episode of this podcast is an interview with a Christian man who has done it all, my dad, Travis Irwin. Over his 71 years of life and his 50-plus years of Christian ministry in local churches, Dad has experienced just about everything that comes with trying to follow the Christ and minister to his church. As we go back over his life story and look at the events and people who shaped him, I hope you'll find hope, inspiration, and wisdom for your own journey. In this episode, we pick up in the year 1971, the year Dad got kicked out of Christian college, almost ended up going to Vietnam, and really questioned his Christian faith for the first time in his life. You could call 1971 the year of Dad's wilderness wandering. But in that wilderness, God sent the people who would help Dad find and form his own faith and point him in the direction that would eventually take him into Christian ministry, a role he never imagined or wanted for himself. Let's listen to what Dad has to say about that time in his life. Sure, we got it. okay. All right, so dad, here we are again. And uh, when we last met, we were uh, we were in the early 1970s, really? so I think it was around 1971. You actually got kicked out of David Lipscomb College in Nashville, Tennessee, because your grades were so poor. And almost as soon as you got asked not to come back, you um, you got your notice that you may be drafted to go to Vietnam and you just dodged that bullet. And um, I believe where you left us last time is you were working in a mailroom at a telephone company in uh, Nashville. And we talked a little bit about two men who worked with you in that mailroom. Uh, one was a friend. Both of them are, are, are guys that you had known growing up in the, uh, in the church of Christ. One of them though, had become agnostic, you said, and didn't really believe Christianity anymore. Um, And he made you question your own faith, right? And then this other friend that you met in the mailroom, he was living a kind of Christian lifestyle and was speaking a kind of Christian language that was different from what you'd experienced before in your life. And it was really appealing to you from what you described last time. So you started to spend time with him and his friends away from work, and many of them were preparing to go into ministry. And so you said that you started to dabble in it a little yourself. Right. So that's where I want to start this week. Right. And uh, I want to talk about uh, what finally made you go toward Christianity and not away from it. Uh, so in 1971, 1972, and during that time of your life, how much of your faith came from your own beliefs and your own convictions and how much of it were you still getting from your family and friends? Great question. Um, my faith was tested, so I had to see if my faith was real or not. And I just so happened to be of the disposition that I wanted to find out for sure. And I started searching it and more and more as time went along, my faith become, became more my faith instead of my mother and dad's faith. 
or even my friend's faith. Of course, going to school and taking classes helped a lot as well, but it was becoming more and more my faith. And that's why later in life, I would tell you children have your own faith. That's what you, what you turn out. That's what you've done. When you, uh, when you were talking about your agnostic friend last week mm-hmm. and the questions that he was asking you, mm-hmm. you said, I didn't know I couldn't answer his questions. Right. And so I wonder what did you do to find those answers? I mean, did, did you choose to go on a program of personal study? Uh, um, did you talk to your dad? Did you talk to your, to your other friends? I mean, what, what did, did you ever answer those questions for yourself at that time? You know, not years later, but at that time, did you find answers that were satisfying to you and how did you find them? Well, this is before the internet. If I'd had the internet, I would go into the internet probably. But, um, I, you know, that's been so long ago. I can't remember what I did, but I don't think I went to my dad or my mom. I think I went to my friends and, you know, just said, what's some good material on uh, evidences or apologetics? And that I began to learn what those two fields or that one field was of study. And I started reading everything I could. And uh, that bolstered my faith. That is not to say all my questions were answered then. I've had other questions answered since then. And a lot of reading and study since that time. That's, you're talking about 45 or 50 years ago. But it was basically, uh, I am sure that I probably inquired of other people, especially my friends. Do you remember what some of the questions were that your friend asked that stumped you? Like the ones that you really struggled to answer? The, 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 one, the one question was, can you prove to me that, that there is a God? I said, mm-hmm. sure. He said, well, do it. Go ahead. And uh, I couldn't do it. He says, well, you know, you have faith. You just have your mom and dad's faith. You know, you know your faith's not very strong because you can't prove anything. He says, that's why I'm an agnostic, because I, I don't believe you can uh, prove that there's a God. That was a real eye-opening situation yeah. for me. So did you, how soon after that, uh, after he stumped you with that question, how soon did you start to find things that uh, gave you assurance that you believe that God is real? And do you remember what some of those things were that, that convinced you that, that God is real? I started the search immediately. I can't remember what the resources were. I mean, the resources are in a gazillions now, but back then there was, uh, in my little world, uh, those res- resources were very limited. And I can't even tell you what the resources were, just to be honest with you. Uh, but, you know, I started asking around and I, I came up with arguments or evidences that there's a God. You know, God is a philosophical, theological, scientific question. And so I, I was going to learn that. But like I said, you know, to me, I was satisfied with the answers I was getting. I never went back to that guy and said, here's my evidence. I don't remember ever going back to him and saying, here's my evidence. This is why I believe in God. I may have told him I studied it and I still believe in God. But at that time, at age 21, 22, somewhere in there, I was satisfied with what I'd already studied then. However, I have studied much, 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 much more since that time, especially the first probably 10 years of my ministry life. 
what was the uh i mean do you recall though because i think that faith is always changing as we go through life you know sure. what what works in your 20s you need something totally different by the time you're in your 40s or your 60s and so do you remember what it was for you at that time in your early 20s that gave you enough uh certainty about god to to keep going forward with god rather than take the path that your friend took toward agnosticism probably um probably the the the, the simple uh, arguments for the existence of god um uh, like the moral argument where does morality come from um that's just one that comes to mind ontological the the design argument just real simple stuff mm -hmm. but you know it 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 perked my interest and i thought yeah there's got to be a designer because there's design in everything so to me those are kind of the basic things they're still basic today people still use them today but that think that's that's what convinced me and and pretty much when i got that i, I pretty much dropped it because i was going into my uh, i was getting ready to go into my well my senior year was until I, after i got married but I was um, I was satisfied with that, and I would learn more later. And I knew I would learn more later, but I was busy as a young person. Mm -hmm. but, I, but I was happy with it, and I was ready yeah. to move on. Do you know but what my, happened? My faith was not finished. What's that yeah, um, the, the timing is interesting. We'll talk about that in a second. Uh, do you know what happened to your agnostic friend? Did you ever no, no. know where he went in life? No. One day, one day he just didn't show up for work, and of course, I didn't. I worked that job twice. And I didn't stay much longer either. Mm -hmm. um, so, so the timing, uh, this was 71. Uh, it sounds like your search for, for proof in God actually lasted longer than 1971, all the way through meeting mom, marrying mom, and into uh, your return to college, which is another uh, story for another time. Right. But you mentioned last week that it was about the same time uh, about 1971-ish, that you started uh, preaching and teaching for little country churches outside of Nashville. Right. Uh, and I think that timing is really interesting because you were searching for proof of God at the same time that you were uh, going to, to preach and teach at these churches. The first yeah. question is, how did you end up doing this in the first place? How, how did you even have the opportunity to, to go preach and teach. Okay. Hang on to that thought. I got to close the door. Are you closing the door because what you're about to tell me is super secret? Because this is a podcast. <laughs> Getting noisy outside. Your oh, mom's in the okay. phone talking. So I don't want to <laughs> have that in the background. Okay. Um, I started preaching when I was about 19 years old. And it started with uh, going, get, going with different young men from the school that went out to hold services for uh, churches. Usually that was uh, on Sunday night. Sunday night. But I, I, I was beginning to run around with a group of guys that did that kind of stuff. And of course, I became closer to the preacher guy at work than the other guy. And so I had a different circle of friends and they, they would preach at little churches all over, all over the uh, all over middle Tennessee. And so, um, you know, I thought, you know, I could do that. I could do that and make a little bit of money and uh, get some experience. And so 
we had, they had a bulletin board in the hallway and it had a list of churches that were looking for guys to fill in to preach. And I would, you know, contact these people and I'd go out and I'd preach. Uh, your papa went with me a couple of three times. Uh, uh, my friend John went with me many times. He and I many times did a tag team thing where one of us preached on Sunday morning and one of us preached on Sunday night and swapped out. And so that went on for, seems like years, but it wasn't. It was probably just months. So we, we've been all over Middle Tennessee. We even went over to East Tennessee to a place called Sweden Cove, which is near Chattanooga, uh, Lawrenceburg area. Uh, you know, sometimes right there, in, right there, maybe in town. I can't remember the specific places right now, but there's about three or four of them. It wasn't extensive, but I got a lot of good experience. And my, my faith was strong. It was good. It wasn't as strong as it could be, though. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Even though that was at the same time that you, that seems like it was the same time that your agnostic friend was asking yeah, you is. questions that stumped yeah, you. That's, that's right. So that's right. Uh, a couple of questions about your preaching and teaching experience. The first one is, you know, I, I, um, I think I spoke in front of our church for the first time when I was maybe 13, you know, 12, 13, 14 years yeah. old. And uh, from that point forward, I had a lot of opportunities to, to get up in front of our, our church and, uh, and speak. And I think I preached my first sermon, and I've got air quotes up, you know, sermon uh, on a Sunday night uh, at Steel Avenue Church of Christ in Ashland, Ohio. And I may have been 16, 17. Um, but I, I, I wouldn't say that I was doing that because I had a fire in my bones or a uh, the spirit was moving in me. It's because it was something I was asked to do. Right. Uh, I could do it. And for a kid who wasn't very popular at school and was kind of nerdy, you know, it was a chance to shine, you know, and, and have people say, Oh, you know, here, look at you. So would you say that at this time in your life, as you were, you know, you were making the rounds, um, preaching and teaching, in these churches, would you say it felt like a calling and a conviction? And you're like, I've got something I need to say to these churches, or <clears throat> was it more like you said a couple of minutes ago, you're like, Hey, I could do this. You know, I, yeah, I can do this. I can make some extra money. I, you know, I, you know, I believe this stuff. So how would you describe your, um, your feelings toward preaching and teaching at that time? Well, just to be blunt and honest about it, it wasn't a fire in the bones. That would come many years later, but uh, my friends were doing it. They enjoyed it and it provided some social interaction. And I like church people. And um, I didn't always have something to say. I had to come up, come up with something to say. So it was, you know, you know, uh, my friends are doing it. They're enjoying it. Uh, I want to try that. I like, I like people. Uh, you know, it's a good experience. Uh, yeah, I'll make a little bit of money. Uh, my friend will go with me. I'll go with my friend. That kind of thing. More, it may have become more of a social thing than it was really. I've got to fire my bones, and I got mm -hmm. to tell people what's in my bones. Yeah. I was still, I was still, in my estimation, very immature. And my faith, I had a good faith. You know, that, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying, you know, I just didn't have that fire. Mm -hmm tell people what I, something in my something that was there that needed to get out do you remember any of the lessons or sermons that you do you remember any of them from that phase in your life 
uh, one of my favorites is a story of Mary and Martha over okay. in uh, Luke 10, 38 through 42. You know, that Mary and Martha, you know, it, it's an easy, uh -huh. you know, uh, Mary has chosen the good part. It shall never be taken from her. So I did that a lot. Um, just to be blunt about it, I can't even remember my own sermons. I'm ashamed to say that, but you, <laughs> that, that's when I can remember. There's sometimes, sometimes what we would do, especially when John and I were together, we would have Bible classes all week and then we would go preach. We preach from what we learned in class. And that, that could be Romans, that could be Second Corinthians, it could be the life of Christ, it could be number, any number of different things. Mm -hmm. You mentioned that you, your dad went with you yeah. two or three times. Did yeah. you ask your dad for any advice or help when you started uh, to preach and teach? I don't remember asking for advice. I may have. And dad had a lot of experience. Um, I, I don't, I, I'm sure dad gave me advice, but I don't remember what it is, but I'm sure I incorporated it somewhere along the, along the line. Yeah. Do you remember what it was like to take Papa with you? Yeah, when it was he, good. It was a good experience. It was a good experience. Yeah. Driving all the way out in the middle of nowhere and driving all the way back. Many times we ate with people. And Dad would, Dad would make comments about the people that we ate with. He was always very complimentary to them. And on the way back, he'd say these people, these people didn't have a whole lot, but what they had, they did, they shared with us. He'd just teach me little things like that that I may not have noticed on my own because mm -hmm. that was kind of wrapped up in myself. Do you, uh, I mean, did you feel any pressure standing in the pulpit with your dad in the audience? Not really. That, no. that's, that's what not, not really. That's what amazes me to this day. Really? No, I, I, never, I never felt any pressure. Oh, my dad's here. My dad's going to criticize me. Oh, my dad's not going to be happy. I never thought any of that. Did Papa... Um, I mean, did, did Papa ever say to you, like, maybe you should consider doing this? Uh, <laughs> maybe this is a calling or, uh, did no, he leave really. that alone? Not, he, he didn't say either way. No. So what'd you all talk way. about in the car then on the way there and back? Oh, we talked about all kinds of things on the way over and the way back, not necessarily preaching. His mother, my grandmother on his side of the family, wanted me to become a preacher, just like she wanted him to become a preacher. Mm. But, you know, I really didn't, didn't know the woman that well. And I, and I thought, I'm not going to let some little, little older lady tell me what I need to do. This is something that I already came up with on my own. Mm -hmm. And dad, dad wanted to be supportive. That's what he was doing. Yeah. I was still kind of young. He wanted to make sure I got there and I was okay. And I got home and I'm sure that's why he went. But he was, he was very supportive all the way. Can you remember any piece of advice or any or any critique that Papa gave you on one critique? of those on one of those occasions? Yeah. He says, "Be yourself." Hmm. Sometimes, sometimes I would imitate another preacher. It said, hmm. "You need to be yourself." Yeah. You need to have your own style. And as a twenty-one-year-old guy, a twenty or twenty-one-year-old guy, I didn't have a clue what that meant. I do now but that was that was good advice that's great advice and uh still use it to this day just be yourself i know you want to i want to be like somebody just be yourself preach it from the heart and uh don't and don't dad would say don't be uh critical don't be harsh he said uh everybody sitting in the pew is carrying a burden so hmm. be kind hmm. that's true yeah 
powerful. Yeah. Powerful, powerful advice. Yeah. What preachers did you want to imitate? I try to uh, imitate Matt Craig, and uh, he was kind of the one I probably try to imitate more than anybody else. Um, but I was no Matt Craig, still I'm not a Matt Craig. Um, I really can't think of anybody else, but him in particular. Marlon Conley was a great speaker, tremendous speaker, uh, full of illustrations and relevant application of scripture. Uh, didn't necessarily want to follow him so far as his style of presentation, as much as preparation. And that that would come that would come uh, years later mm -hmm. when I got really more serious about uh, preaching, doing it full time. And I did not prayer. I did not prepare for full time preaching. By the way, I prepared for something else, but that's another story. Yeah. Oh, I'm going to ask you about that in a second. I just want to know: Were there any nerves when you went to to preach? You've, you've always been a nervous person. I don't know yeah. if 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 people who know have known you for a while know that you're a person who physically manifests your your anxiety right i mean do you, did you have stage fright did you get worked up and nervous yeah. uh, before any of these preaching engagements Papaw told the story that the first time he preached he froze yeah and he had to get down yeah so i knew that story and i was determined i would not do that was i nervous yes a nervous wreck but i pushed myself uh -huh. one time i was preaching at a little place outside in, in Memphis, um, Coral Lake Church of Christ, Coral Lake Church of Christ. And I think it was a vacation Bible school and I was speaking and your, your mother and I were married and I was a nervous wreck. But what I did, I laid on the floor, I don't know for how long, and just tried and tried and tried to relax. <laughs> and I finally got the energy and the relaxation I needed and then I was ready to go. And I didn't lay on the floor at the church. I laid at the so you didn't lay on the floor in the middle of the aisle, did you? No, in the in our apartment before we left. Okay, okay. And then we went over, went over, and and I did a better job. But I, every every time you speak as a as a speaker, you know this. There needs to be some nerves there because that keeps you energized and keeps you cautious. Yeah. And so I've learned that little trick, but um, I've learned over the years to just just relax and put my faith in the Lord and, and say, Lord, speak through me and just go slow go slow speak yeah. slow and I've, I've i've been i'm still working on that yeah well i i know the feeling i i get nervous every time that's i get a, up that's, that's a good thing it's been that way my whole life so did you give any thought at all during this time to i mean was there even just a just a tiny kernel of a thought in your mind that I might do this for the rest of my life. This may no. be what I want to do. No, not at all. No, that's great. So um, I want to, I want to ask then if you weren't thinking about church work or preaching at that time, were you thinking about going back to college yet? Or did you think you were done with college? Well, I didn't, I, I went to college through, I think the spring of 71 I, I think it was uh the fall of 71 when i was asked not to come back uh, but uh i wasn't thinking about preaching full time mm -hmm. um i really i kind of had an idea what i wanted to do i wanted to be i wanted to go into church education um but um uh, there was nothing definite there no yeah 
Well, I want to change gears because my understanding of your life story has always connected the change in your career direction to meeting mom and getting married because uh, you didn't go back to college until after you married mom. So now I want to change gears and I want to talk about meeting mom and dating mom. We started talking about that last episode and um, just to, uh, just to review the information here, you met mom uh, in January, February, 1972. Is that right? On a blind date. Correct. Okay. And y'all were engaged like nine months later. Is that, is that right? I mean, you got married in February, 1973. I think we got engaged in October. Okay. So you got engaged, you met mom in early 72, you were engaged by fall and then you were married by February, 1973. That's correct. Okay. Now I want to talk about that a little bit because there are a couple of episodes ago where we were talking about your freshman and sophomore years of college. And uh, I think we were talking about your freshman year of college. And I asked you how many girls you dated and you said, not many. And I said, well, how many or something like that. And you said, I don't know, 12 or 13. And I just about fell out of my chair because I don't think I dated that many girls in my entire life. And you were just talking about your, your freshman year. So, um, and then I think there was a girl that you dated very seriously, uh, your sophomore year, like sometime around your sophomore year, or maybe into the time that you left uh, college. Sophomore so, and junior year. Yeah. Okay. So there were, a, there were a lot of girls that you dated and then you had a very serious relationship with a girl that you thought you might marry. Um, and then that ended. So the question is between like 1968, when you started college and 1972, when you met mom, um, what were you looking for in the girls that you dated? Oh, in the girls that dated? Yeah. I mean, what were you looking for? Well, that's a great question. I don't have a clue. Um, just to have someone that I could talk to someone that I could go out on a date with, uh, there's 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 a little bit of peer pressure uh in college and in a christian college for you to find someone and get married i felt that pressure it wasn't a strong pressure but it was it was there uh all my friends were dating and i thought you know i need to start dating um i dated a few i didn't you know men had been a dozen but it was quite a few young ladies well i i do recall you told me once that you took two different girls out on dates on the same day. Yeah, that was so, not a smart thing to do. <laughs> you were, um, <clears throat> what were your, I mean, besides the girl that you dated for, I don't know, how long did you date her? Did you date her a year? No, uh, I would say, you know, it would seem like a year, but it probably was more like three months. Okay, all right. Like, like, a, like a quarter, it, it yeah. might've been two quarters. It might've been six months. Yeah. I mean, what were your dating relationships like? What were my dating relationships yeah, like? What were your dating relationships like before mom came along? Uh, just go to a movie, eat out, go to the airport, watch the planes take off. That's that was the big thing back in the day. They were very simple. They weren't dates did not last very long. You know, there was a couple of hours, maybe three hours if you took in a movie, maybe a little bit more. Uh, go to the mall, just real simple stuff inexpensive stuff because i was a college kid and i didn't, I didn't have 
uh, any money to really spend. Uh, but it was just, it, it was a time, uh, I used that time with a young lady just to get to know her, where she was from, what some of her values were, um, see if she had a sense of humor, see how, see, see something about her spiritually, discover something about her spiritually. Real simple stuff, real simple stuff. And I was a, a novice at dating, definitely in my senior year at high school and my freshman and sophomore years at Lipscomb College. And then as I got into the junior year, I was a little bit more experienced uh, and uh, knew a little bit more what to talk about and doing a, doing a date. So, but then, you know, I was asked not to come back in the fall. So <laughs> yeah, I didn't, I didn't come back in the fall. Did you do more of the, so you, you took a lot of girls out, simple dates, asking them questions. Did you do more of the deciding not to ask for another date or did the girls you dated do more of the, I'm not interested in going out with you again? It's, it's kind of a combination of both. There was one young lady I liked a whole lot and uh, she and I went to the airport and I thought, this is pretty good. This is pretty good. And she was just a really neat young lady. And, th and then <laughs> I discovered, I heard through the grapevine, that's the way you hear things sometimes, is that she was back with an old boyfriend. Mm. And uh, I thought, huh. But I thought, okay, that's what she wants. That's fine. You know, not a problem. You know, I, I wasn't happy and I was kind of sad, but I got over it and I moved on. Yeah. And, and I was happy for them because I knew him too. And he was a good guy. So I thought, well, hey, that's great. Not, not a problem. But uh, a, a, a lot of the girls uh, would want to go out again, and I just wouldn't ask them. Mm. I, you know, I, just, I just walked away. Why not? I mean, what kind of girl were you attracted to? Well, that, and... that was when I was stuck on the one. Okay. Yeah. And she was older. She, went, <laughs> she had other plans. She was getting ready to graduate and leave, go back home. And so I can understand that. And, uh, but I wasn't happy with that. And I got, I was, I was too, too persistent and I was too, uh, too present. I was always there. And I think she just got tired of me. She, her nickname for me was Wart. And I was like a Wart. Oh my gosh. And finally she just, you know, but I, but I wouldn't, I wasn't over her and I tried to get her attention. And that's why I dated other girls and paraded, <laughs> paraded the girls in front of her. And, you know, and, and, and it worked. It made her mad, but it made her, but it, it died. And I'm glad it died. Uh, she probably is too, but I'm very glad it died because I met your mom. But uh, that's what happened. Um, more information what you need. No, that's good information. I, I'm trying to to get at um, you know what about what about that girl? I mean, we're going to talk about mom in a minute, but what about that girl made you feel like it's got to be her? Like I, I. You know, I want to be with her. What what about her attracted you and made you want to hold on to her? Well, she was the first person I really fell in love with. I yeah. was infatuated with her. She was older. She was pretty. Mm -hmm. She was cute. Had a great disposition. All of the above. She was uh, mature. Uh, you know, experienced <laughs> and all this other stuff. And so that's what attracted me. Yeah. And what. That that wasn't that wasn't. I was learning. I was learning at the same time. That's not what is really important. Hmm. I knew that in my mind, but I, that's what I wanted. I wanted her, 
but I knew in my mind that, you know, that this may not be the right one. Yeah. And so your mamma was praying that we would break up. Is that right? Pardon? Is that right? Mamma, why did mom, mamma want you to break up? Because she was not the kind of girl I needed to marry. Hmm. What she kind of girl did Mamaw think you needed to marry? Your mom. <laughs> <laughs> right. Your mom. I mean, did your did Mamaw ever talk to you about uh, while you were dating uh, this girl? Did you said Mamaw was praying that you'd break up? Did you know that at the time? Did Mamaw talk to you about your relationship uh, with her at the time? I learned that later. I, yeah. I was suspicious of it. And uh, your mamma had to be very careful what she said, because hmm. she, you know, uh, as a parent, you know this. And, and if you say a certain thing, it may push the child, yeah, further away, yeah, from you, and towards this person you don't want them to be with. And so she was very careful, but she let her she let her feelings be not be made known. And I knew that this was not my mom's choice, but the infatuation and the emotions, right. And the adrenaline and the male hormones were all yeah. churning. Yeah. And uh, I can tell you how we broke up, but that's that may be too much information. The girl took care of that. She shut yeah. it down. Yeah. And get, jumped in the car and left and went back home. End of story. Haven't heard from her. Don't want to hear from her. Uh, don't miss her. Uh, but that was my first, tr first true love or infatuation. And that that well that really gave me a lot of good experience. Yeah, that really made me grow up a whole lot. And so I, I owe that to her. That's all I owe her. How uh, how did you handle the breakup? Not very well. Yeah. What did you do? Cried. Yeah. Yeah. How uh, long did how long did the depression last? <laughs> about a year. Yeah. About a year. About a year. A lot That's of us have been there. Pardon? A lot of us have been there. Yeah, you understand. Not a so, experience. Like someone died. Yeah. So I mean, you, is... you, uh, you had high hopes for her. I mean, the depression lasts a long time because you were. I'm. I guess you were imagining your future with her, right? Sure. I know yeah. you've said that. In the you've said that you hoped you would marry. Uh, you would marry her, and then you said Mamaw was praying that you wouldn't. So you were pretty serious. Um, yep. I mean, when you thought about your future, what kind of, I mean, obviously at this time you were starting to think about your future family, right? right. Maybe you were, I don't know. Um, I mean, what were you, what kind of future were you starting to imagine for yourself? After we broke up with this girl? Uh, no, when you were with her. So you said, I want it. Uh, you wanted to marry this girl. What kind, what were you imagining your life would be with her? Just, you know, one of, just uh, one of those uh, dreamy kind of things, Walt Disney World kind of things, just, you know, kind of a fantasy land kind of thing. But we're married and we're happy and we're, we're together all the time. It's just a puppy, a puppy love kind of right. mentality. Were there nothing, any? Nothing, nothing mature about it at all. Yeah. I mean, were there any details, though, in, in your in your dream world, like where you live or what you were doing or how many kids you had, that kind of thing? No, not really. You know, we probably live in Nashville. Uh, live in Nashville, have our own apartment, just be together all the time. That was the main thing. I, didn't, I really didn't think about children Yeah. at all. Yeah. You know, I was still a child myself. Yeah. So you were, 
you were thinking about aspects of being married to someone that maybe a 20 year old or you know 21 year old would think of the the fun parts but you yeah. hadn't fully formed your vision of the future yet for uh, yourself. highly immature hormone hormone drawn uh, uh, you know energized person you know just very immature yeah so you met mom in early 1972 mm -hmm. uh, obviously that matured you pretty quick because you were married in a year and mm -hmm. back in college soon after that so yeah. what made mom different from all the girls that you met before and and why did this time uh have a different outcome than all the other times boy that's a great question um there 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 was just something about your mom your mom was very mature for her age she wasn't silly she wasn't she wasn't pushy she does have a strong personality but she wasn't pushy she asked good questions she appreciated what i did for her we enjoyed being together uh she was a spiritual person she had a good strong had a good strong faith um and uh, she was looking for someone like me and that probably helped a whole lot what do you mean someone like you she wanted to marry a preacher but you weren't you know a preacher nor huh? were you planning she did you weren't a preacher nor were you planning to be a preacher at that time that's correct but i was going to be doing ministry of some type so all right hold on a second here let me let me get the timeline lined up all right so you met mom in 72, but my understanding is that in early 72, you didn't know what you wanted to do yet. So were you already thinking about Christian education sure. when you met mom? Sure. Yeah. All right. When did that happen? Because I don't want to miss that detail. That's really important. Because I thought you were still trying to figure your life out when you met mom. And you're saying that you had already figured out that Christian education may be the direction you want to go. So how did that happen? The first two years of college, uh, 68, 69, 69, 70, were pretty much for the liberal arts foundational classes. And then as time got, I did take accounting for a while and dropped out of accounting altogether and just kind of wandered for a while, but not for very long. Uh, I did want to go into ministry, but I was not interested in uh, pulpit ministry. I was interested in church education because that's what your uncle Richard was doing. And mm -hmm. I took a great interest in that. And I was familiar with people that had done that and were doing that. And I took an interest in that just for, you know, I can't even put my finger on why I was interested in that, but I was. So I thought I will pursue that and we'll, I'll see what happens. Well, I, I discovered what happened when I started trying to find a job. Yeah. But, uh, but you decided that. to pursue that while you were out of college is what you're saying. I was pursuing it while I was out of college. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. uncle Richard was doing church education. You know, he, he, he had done it right. at, that, at that particular time. I think he, he was doing full-time pulpit work. Okay. In Camden, Tennessee. So I got to ask that. I got to ask another question about that. Right. Um, what I pieced together so far in our conversations is you went to to Lipscomb College from 68 to around seven. You got kicked out between your sophomore and junior year, right? I, I think I am I'm probably out of college 
the fall of 71, which if I had enough credits would have been, would have been my junior year, okay. maybe the beginning of my junior year. And you were, that's a little different from what we've, we've talked about before, but you were kind of going toward accounting at the time that they asked you to take a break yeah. from college. And then you went to work at the telephone company in the mailroom, right? You, you managed not to get drafted to be, to go to Vietnam. You yeah. were working at the telephone company. Uh, you were doing some preaching and teaching, right? Uh, right? Your friend, John, I think was his name and his friends were doing some preaching and teaching. You started spending time with them and all the questions I've asked you up to this point about your future. Yeah. You've said you didn't really have a vision for your future. You didn't really, you know, ministry was not it. You've said that emphatically several times. Ministry was not it, but it was something you could do, right? This is something I yeah. can do. I'll do it. It's it's a social activity. I make some, you know, I make some money from it. But my um, when you met mom in early 1972, everything you said up to this point indicated that you did not yet know what your what you wanted to do with your life. You were not in college. Uh, you were still very much just kind of a Everything you've described about yourself before this point, Dad, is somebody who's very much in the moment, right? The way you described yourself as a teenager is, I just wanted to have a good time. Right. You know, first two years, I just wanted to have a good time. Right. Even the relationship with this girl that broke up with you was, was very in the moment. It wasn't thinking about what kind of family might we start, what kind of jobs might we get. It was, you know, it was romance and sexual energy and you know it was i right you're just right there in the moment but what you just said a minute ago is that when by the time mom met you you were already thinking about church education which is a surprise to me so there was something all right in 1971 you were out of college you were working at the phone company um and this is the first time in all of our conversations where you've said you were thinking it, you were already th thinking about church education. So was that a, was that a calling that you were starting to feel in your life? Or was that another one of those? Well, this is something I think I can do. I can, probably, I could probably do this. I could probably do this. I, I wanted ministry, but I didn't want to be in the pulpit. Okay. So you had decided that you wanted ministry yeah. by the time you met mom in early yeah. 72. I need to know when that happened. Well, because I didn't know that happened until after you met mom. I thought you decided that after you met mom, but you're telling me you decided that before. Well, so when did I, that happen and how did it happen? Well, I, well I, I probably was kicking around the idea, but it became really important after I met and married your mom because I, I, I could go back to school the fall of 73 and I went back. Mm -hmm. I said, well, I need to finish my education. She said, she said let's go. Mm -hmm. And so I went back and, you know, what major are you? Church education, mm -hmm. Bible, church education. Yeah. So by then I had pretty much decided I wanted to do that. What, what is so interesting about the life is that between 71 and I mean, in one year, there's a lot of stuff going on there. I yeah. Mean, a lot of stuff Yeah. about career and about girls and, you know, all kind of crazy stuff. And then 72 comes along, your mom comes along and I'm working a job and trying to date her. Then next thing you know, we end up in Memphis. Now, I'd already been in Memphis, and then she joined me there in Memphis in, in February of 73. 
I was in Memphis in the fall, in the fall, in the winter of 72. Mm -hmm. And she was at Fried Hardman mm -hmm. College. So, I mean, a lot, a lot of things are going on. Yeah. I can, I can just give you a general idea that uh, I was still immature and probably undecided about a lot of things. But I had, I really liked the idea of church education. And by the time I married your mother, I got really serious <coughs> and got back in school. The grades went up, got my degree. And then another story starts there. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's such a important direction. It's not a decision that you made, but it is a direction that you started to choose. And that's so important because everything that people who've known you through your life know about you uh, came from your, your shift in that church education direction away from accounting or, or whatever. Right. And I, I don't want to, I don't want to miss mining that moment in your life where, you know, it dawned on you that this is a direction that I could go. Um, cause it literally built your entire world and changed the lives of more people than you can ever, you can ever know. You get to, you get to also remember that in 73, when, when I came back to Nashville, uh, I got, I had two jobs. One, I worked in a drugstore. The other one, I became, I was a youth minister. Mm -hmm. And so I had, a, had an interest in youth. I'd worked, I didn't done some work with youth before, but nothing like this. This was a part-time yeah, yeah. job with a, with a pretty good sized yeah. church. And I mean, what I'm getting at is, and I think anybody that you ask who, you know, to talk about the years between 18 and like 22, 23 would have just the same jumbled up stories that you've got because so much changes about us in those, in those years, you know, for me, uh, one of the most important things that I did, um, was take that youth ministry internship at Southside Church of Christ in Grenada, Mississippi in the summer of 97. Right. Uh, it's not what I wanted to do. I wanted to come back to Ohio and get a business internship because my major was business. Right. And I couldn't find one. And I needed something to do for the summer. I needed to earn some money. I needed some experience. I needed some kind of internship. Uh, I knew I, I didn't want it to be a youth ministry internship, but that uh, that opportunity just kept on knocking. So I took it because I had nothing else going for me. And I thought, well, I can do this. You know, it, it'll be, it'll be fun. You know, I'll learn some stuff from it. I'll get paid. And so I, I went and uh, I ended up going back the next summer. It was, it was um, one of the most formative experiences of my life, yep. changed the direction of my life. So what I'm asking is I didn't feel a calling when I took that youth ministry internship. Yep. I just felt like it's something I could do because right. I'd grown up in the church my whole life you know, in a minister's home. And I thought, I can do that. I can make some money. Um, while I was there, I started to have a sense of, of, of God calling me to, to uh, lead a certain kind of life and do certain things with my life. So I'm asking you, when you first thought about church education or Christian education, did it come to you more as, well, this is something I can do. You know, I, I know how to do this. I can, I can learn how to do this and, you know, probably make a good living <laughs> or were, did you experience any kind of, you know, 
any kind of uh, feeling that God was calling you or commissioning you or anointing you or, you know, this is the, you know, this is what my life is all about. You know, this is what I'm passionate about. This is what I've got to do mm. with my life. Mm. Do you understand the question? I understand the question 100%. There's a really important reason I'm asking it that way, but go ahead and answer it. Well, it wasn't until I married your mom and I got back in school, but in, in uh, August or September of 73, it started taking classes specifically on church education, like the philosophy of Christian education, and 300 courses and 400 courses that it dawned on me, yeah, this is where I want to be. Hmm. This is what I need to do. Mm-hmm. Preaching, yeah, I'm still doing some of that. But it, it, I thought this is really what I want to do. I want to be in church education. I want to strengthen the faith of people. I want to help people mature in Christ. And, uh, and so I thought this is what I want to do. Did I feel like God called me? No, I'll, 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 not necessarily, no. I think God called me to Akron, Ohio. Yeah. Okay, preach. But, but I felt... I had, you know, compared to way, the way I felt in uh, January 72 and the way I felt in the fall of 73, day and night, that I got to do this. I want to do yeah. this. Yeah. So when you met mom, what you're saying is that you met mom and she knew what she wanted. That's what you said a little while yeah. ago. She knew what she wanted. She knew what kind of person she wanted to, to be with. Uh, and so mom seemed to have a far stronger grasp on what she was about and then she met you and you were kicking around the idea of church education and meeting mom with her strong sense of purpose right um uh it really affected you and your own sense of 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 purpose in life yeah like something that you. you were kicking around uh, because you met mom suddenly became something that you got more serious about pursuing and that trying. Was, was, she was a part of the equation and getting okay. into class and getting serious about getting serious, serious about what I thought I wanted to do confirmed it. Yes. Yeah. This is what, this is where I need to be. So, uh, I really wanted to, to talk a lot more about your relationship with, uh, mom in this interview, but the we've already spent a lot of time talking about other things so we're going to have to save that conversation for another episode but i do want to ask you a couple of final questions uh about what we've been talking about here the the chaos that goes on in the in the life and the mind of an 18 to 22 year old you know we put a lot of pressure on people at this age to make these big decisions about what they're going to do with the rest of their lives. And so many of them are clueless. I mean, you were clueless. uh, I was clueless. Um, So uh, I just have three questions I want to ask you in quick order here at the tail end. It'll give us plenty to look forward to when we talk about mom next time. Sure. I mean, how do you see God working in your life? during the, during, uh, the years between 1971, like 1971 to 72, you know, he's, he's bringing him in, he's bringing me into contact with different people. Mm-hmm. He's also bringing me in contact with, with females that would not be my wife. 
so I could so I could see get some experience in that area and know what to look for. He's bringing me to people. He's bringing me to a person who tests my faith. He's bringing me to people who have an interest in ministry. Um, he is <laughs> trying to scare me. Uh, you're going to Vietnam. You know, you need to grow up, man. You need to get you need to get it together. Uh, there, so there's a lot of really good stuff going on in that time. I didn't realize it at the time, but lo looking back, mm -hmm. it's, I can uh, say, say, okay, yeah, I can see yeah. God working in my life. He, he's, you know, God, God is trying to grow me. And finally, he, he brought the one person to help the most. Hmm. Yep. So you're saying you, you, you couldn't see God working in your life then, but you can now. Uh, back in those days, Back in those days, people had to tell me, God's trying to tell you something, dude. But nowadays, I can see it a lot better than I could then. Neither yeah. could I have a hard time. Yeah. So if a, so if a 21-year-old man came to you now, and, <laughs> and he said, you know, I, I just dropped out of college. Uh, I kind of flamed out. I'm trying to figure out what to do with the rest of my life. You know, my girlfriend broke up with me. You know, I'm working in the mailroom. You know, Travis, man, give me some advice. Give me some wisdom. What would you tell him? Uh, be open to God. Be open to God's leading. Pray. Uh, uh, talk to people. Uh, get, get some help. Um, don't get in a hurry. Don't make don't make emotional decisions. Um, don't get discouraged. If you need someone to talk to, come talk to me. And I would I would I would hang I would hang with him, and uh, encourage him to go to his parents, go to go to mature people, and be patient. Be patient. Be patient. Wait on the Lord. What good news would you give him? It's going. <laughs> Is if you put the Lord first, it will get better. It will it, it'll be the best it can ever be. Don't doubt me. Don't doubt me. But be patient. You got to be patient, man. You can't run on your emotions. You can't run on your uh, on discouragement or fear. You, you can't. You got you got to keep focused. Keep focused on the Lord, and let Him take control. Work hard. Make make some money. You got to eat. But, you know, uh, maybe during, during the next six months to a year, you'll figure out what's going on in your life, what needs to go on in your life. And once you discover that, go with it. And uh, that's, that's the advice I would have. I would also, you know, I, would, I, would, I would help him discover a spiritual gift and, and say, here's where you start. What passions do you have now? Start, I would start right with basics. But of course, some of that stuff evolves and change or changes over a period of time, too. But the main thing is keep focused on the Lord, have a, have a relationship with him, wait on him, wait on him, work hard in the meantime, go to people you trust. Good. So. That's a good place to stop okay. uh, this, this time. We will next time jump into your relationship with mom. Okay. It's obvious that changed your life and the entire world uh, in profound ways. And so I hope the next time we can talk about, uh, uh, marrying mom and your first years of marriage, uh, and how that 
pointed you toward Akron, Ohio, uh, which you brought up in this uh, in this episode and yeah. how you came to Akron, Ohio. Bring the tissues. You got it, man. Well, I was just thinking a minute ago, there are going to be a lot more, a uh, lot more need for tissues as these, uh, as these progress and you start talking about your, your life wow. and ministry. Okay. Thanks, dad. Thank you. Thank you for listening to dad's decades episode six. Next time dad will tell us the story of how he courted and married and grew together with my mom Debbie Sadler, and just how crucial mom became to shaping dad as a man and as a minister. We'll also hear the story of how dad finally made the choice to pursue church work as his career and didn't look back. That was a choice that may have been surprising even to him. Now, as we get into dad's adult life as a Christian and a Christian minister, I invite you to send me your own questions that you would like for me to ask dad. You can email those to me at bt at btirwin.com. That's B as in Bradley, T as in Travis, at btirwin.com. I'll set aside time in every episode to ask Dad the questions that you send me. Thank you again for listening to Dad's Decades. Dad and I will see you next time. Until then, grace and peace. Peace.